Welcome to the live Sunday internet-only edition of Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. Call in number tonight, 603-435-1105. With you tonight, you've got Curtis. Michelle. And Sean. And we're coming live from Free Keene, New Hampshire. Want to take a minute to recognize a new sponsor? Hey, everybody. Go to english.freetalklive.com if you'd like to make 20 to $30 an hour all online from your home. You'll be conducting English conversations on Skype with folks from other countries like Japan, for example. So get this. They will pay you handsomely to keep up their already learned English. Let's say Kaiko from Japan knows if she doesn't use it, she'll lose it. She needs you for your natural English-speaking gift. So get the ebook and discover how to find these passionate people who will pay you to talk on Skype. So check out english.freetalklive.com and start your own English conversation business. That's english.freetalklive.com. You'll love yourself for it. What's going on, folks? Sean, is this your first time on Free Talk Live? Uh, other than a short interview, yes. <laughs> and Michelle? No, this is not my first time. It's my second. And you've called in plenty of times. I've called in twice. We've got a pretty open line tonight, 603-435-1105. Anything you want to talk about, any topic you want to talk about. If it gets slow, I'm just going to start talking about Porkfest 2011. Yay! Porkfest! <laughs> Did everyone have a good time? Absolutely. What was your favorite part? I enjoyed the opening speech from uh, Stefan and his uh, debate here on Free Talk Live. I know I enjoyed it, but I totally forgot it within six hours, his speech. Well, I had to be reminded that, what the topic was. That's what happens when you drink so heavily, Curtis. I, I was working, so I mean, I was drinking still, but I don't know if I was drinking heavily. Michelle? Well, Was I, I drinking heavily? No, you weren't. You were working hard. But uh, my favorite uh, part of Porkfest was the uh, community spirit and the fact that Whenever I asked help from anyone for anything, I was met with yes, except for once when it was no, I can't do that, but I can do this instead. And I just really loved that community. And you're talking about um, you're, you're a prison break fundraiser for the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund, correct? That as well as just, you know, someone has charcoal, someone else has the grill or um, just even watching Carla ask for help with uh, getting trash cans emptied. Just kind of the whole gamut. Everything was yes, no no's. Yeah, every time I saw anybody needing help, uh, everybody was more than willing to jump on it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, practice in voluntarism. Definitely. There was some um, minarchists and conservatives and whatnot were kind of taken aback at the, uh, the non-structured structure mm-hmm. of it all. And, of course, your little dancing made some people upset. <laughs> I enjoyed the dancing. My pole dancing? Yes. Yeah. For those who don't know, Michelle Seven got all dressed up with fairy wings and a cute little outfit and uh, went to Buzz's big gay dance party, which itself caused some controversy. <laughs> but uh, a video was created because her daughter went out there as well. And the video was mother-daughter pole dancing at Porkfest. And- Thank you, Taryn Lupo, for that. Yeah, we got people comparing uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival to like Bohemian Grove now. Mm. Well, if anyone had actually seen the video, they'd know that out of the eight or nine minutes, there's only about 45 seconds devoted to me, half of which at least is talking about CD Evolution. And it was more of a general uh, video of the party itself, actually. I had a good time. Watching me pole dance? I had a good time at the entire festival. I was passing out every night from exhaustion, but I absolutely had a smile on my face the whole time. I remember. (laughs) 
Sean, you got a list for us you wanted to cover. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, this is from uh, the uh, Ludwig von Mises Institute at uh, Mises.org. It's the uh, 10 Economic Blunders from History. Number 10. Ah. Actually, we'll be starting with number one. <laughs> uh, take cover when you hear a political leader talking about economic affairs. You can bet a bad decision is incoming. Luckily for the leaders, their meddling usually has a slow, erosive effect on the economy. Every so often, however, the great ones manage to land a real whopper that takes them down along with the whole country. Here are ten examples from history. Uh, number one, charge too much and, and you die. In the year 301, the Roman emperor uh, Diocletian issued the, I'm sorry, my Latin's really bad, so I'm going to butcher this, Edictum de Pretius Rerum Vinelium, which I'm sure is wrong. It's the, it's the edict of we know better. <laughs> Edict of Prices on Foodstuffs, which rebalanced the coinage system, never a good idea, and set maximums on wages and the prices of many types of goods, especially food. The penalty for selling above these stipulated prices was death. Copies of the edict were inscribed on stone mountains all over the empire. Here's a tip to future dictators. Never inscribe your blunders on stone unless you want people to laugh at you for the rest of eternity. <laughs> the edict was a disaster. Sellers withdrew their goods, unwilling to sell at the fixed prices or even risk being falsely accused of selling beyond the, their maximum and thus be subject to execution. Workers responded to the wage edicts by vanishing or sitting around doing nothing. Eventually, the edict was ignored and became the subject of derision and mockery, which permanently lowered the prestige and authority of the empire. Uh, number two, shearing the English wolf. Oh, wait a second. We're not going to discuss that at I, I kind of wanted to. Well, I mean, I, you read it, and I didn't really understand half of it. So You didn't understand? Yeah, if you could give me the broad strokes. Well, and- basically, they set um, maximum prices, and when you set a maximum price, if the market price is actually higher, people who have that good to sell are just going to hold on to it because they're not going to make a profit selling it. It's kind of like the rent control. Kind of, yeah. Only this was on food, which is not something you want to wind up scarce. Nor do you want to sit on for a long time. Eh, this is true, although you can do better with um, unground wheat or something along those lines, I guess. Maybe they just stopped producing. So by setting a ceiling for prices, he basically caused a whole lot of retailers to stop retailing. Pretty much, and probably a lot of starvation would be my guess. Hmm. Well, how do you think that that's any different from the price controls on food that are exercised now by the United States government and, and their subsidies to farmers and the incentives or disincentives that they provide farmers to hold on to their food and, and essentially create scarcity, actually? Um, at the moment, we're not starving, and that's about the size of it. Hmm. Would you say, I mean, what we're doing now is not exactly price controls. It's the subsidies, subsidies are kind of now along the same lines. Well, actually, there's the threat of withholding the subsidies that they use to control farmers. But right now, just um, in general, uh, a lot of food is held over until the following season. So uh, what is being grown now is not going to be be harvested in the fall, but it's going to be sold a year later and kept in airtight drums. A lot of the produce and things like that and and the attempt to control prices. Uh, it would seem to me, though, that uh, a lot of the price controls now are to keep the price from getting too low mm. rather than too high, which is uh, more, which is really a subsidy to the farmers rather than a 
it, I don't think it would induce starvation in the same ways. But it is price controls by Ab- the government, not the market determining the value. Absolutely. <laughs> well, again, how is it price control, though, when they're just giving farmers money on the front end, which is, you know, a subsidy? It's, well, it's artificially controlling the price. I mean, it's influencing the price and keeping it low because they can charge less because the government is, you know, giving them free money. But there's no government's not saying you got to charge this or you can't charge that, you know, and they're not putting any ceiling or, or floor. Uh, no, they're not, but uh, that would certainly induce farmers to sell it at a lower price, which would keep uh, competitors who wouldn't make it with, without the subsidy because their prices would be too high out of the market, which reduces competition, and that's never really a good thing. True. All right, uh, number two. It's called Cheering the English Wolf. Cheering the English Wolf? Shearing the English Shearing. Wolf. Shearing. Shearing. That's usually done to sheep. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know you're doing something wrong when your enemies become folk heroes like Robin Hood. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> Common sense is to tax the weak and give money to the strong. But after his failure in forestry policy, King John of England decided to try the reverse. He relieved the Knights of the Realm from their military service requirements, but then ordered them to pay instead a hefty scuttage, shield tax. All right, that brings us in the commerce commercial break. Call in line 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Give us a call. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. You're back. It's the live internet-only Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. It's amateur hour here in the Free Keen studio. You've got Curtis. Michelle. And Sean. And if you'd like to call in and talk about something, you can. You just call 603-435-1105. The call-in lines are wide open right now. And until we get a call, let's go back to that list. Number two. Uh, number two, as I was saying, was shearing the English wolf. The uh, Basically what happened is the king of England, uh, King John, decided to go ahead and get rid of the whole military service thing and instead tax the very powerful nobles who were supposed to be sporting his crown. Uh, they didn't take too kindly to that, and this eventually led to what uh, the Mises Institute is calling 10,000 Robin Hoods, trying to kill him and going about it in an organized fashion. Uh, this led to the signing of the Magna Carta in 1215, which bought him some time, but uh, after that he pretty much went crazy and died. Didn't work out so well for him. Michelle? Well, we all die. <laughs> yeah, but that going crazy first, uh, not so good. Mm. So he put the knights to work doing what now? Uh, he He decided instead of requiring his knights to perform military service, he would just tax them instead. And they didn't like that. Tax them, not give them any work, just tax yeah, them. Just take their money. Interesting. That's pretty retarded. It doesn't seem like it would work to me. It'd be like telling the military, okay, you guys get to keep all your guns and all your bullets and all your nuclear weapons, but you've got to pay us money instead. It seems a little not quite going to work. Hmm, well, 
I would have a problem with the fact that he was demanding taxation to subsidize his lifestyle or, or a military to go invade lands anyway. But you have a problem with the fact that he went crazy and that he was going to let them keep it. their guns. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I just uh, say it's a really bad end for him. Mm. 603-435-1105. We've got a call. Go ahead. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, this is Jason from Colorado. Hey, Jason. What's going on? Hey, I, I'm doing good. I just wanted to come. I've been calling the last couple of nights about economics, and since you're on the subject... I wanted to highlight that there's a book that probably hits the many things that we've yet to hear about on this list. It was called, it's free from Mises, it's called 40 Centuries of uh, Wage and Price Controls. Mm. You can just go into Mises and type that into the search box and it'll come right up. But uh, the, the, it basically, the part I've read about the first third, and basically it goes from ancient times even before, well, the guy was dumb enough to put it on the stone. But basically, they, all, every time they make these things punishable by death, Without fail, it never works because people have an interest in saving themselves. And, and, and throughout history, it was the farmers. The farmers wouldn't produce. They would still grow crops for themselves, but they would just not produce enough mm-hmm. to trade because uh, they were taking a loss. So, so I just d- wanted to amplify on that. So they just grow enough to survive and feed their own family and maybe their immediate neighbors. And That's, that's right, yeah. So if they produced, I don't know, for 100 families, uh, or I'm sorry, if they produced for the market, they would just cease because they would be losing on uh, on each each transaction they made. I'm, I'm betting this happened over and over. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that it didn't yeah, happen yeah. once and people learned from it and never tried it again. I'm, I'm kind of got a feeling this right. has been done over right. and over. And, and the death penalty simply is not a deterrent because people will do... There's, n- uh, there's not enough of the guys enforcing the rules compared to the number of serfs or slaves out there. So it yeah. never works by punishing them with death. Yeah, the efficacy of the death penalty is a whole other topic. Uh, yeah, but this seems like a great example of agorism in action. Unfortunately, it didn't go far enough. <laughs> so you're from yeah, Colorado. And- yeah, go ahead, Michelle. So you're out in Colorado. Colorado. Yes. Uh, look up Howard Killebrew. He's looking to move out here, and, and he needs some help coming this way. And he, he uh, pledged to bring a bunch of women with him so that, <laughs> so that the ratio of men to women would be a, a little healthier here. Look him up and okay. help him out. <laughs> About how many women? Okay, Five hundred or so. Yeah, he'd have to what bring about twenty or thirty per person moving there to make it uh, even things out. Something about that, yeah. Howard's from uh, Alabama though, and is very uh, well articulated in in Mises economics. Yeah, I, that, that's the theme I call about because I I I feel comfortable in that area, and I. I uh, can I can I not change the subject, but add on to the uh, economics conversation here. Go ahead. Okay, so um, I I called the last couple nights, and I never really got to my one of my main points, which was to describe what I think is going to happen with uh, the prices of things in the next few years. And uh, here here are my because pe- people think that we're going to go straight from pretty much zero price increases or I'll use the word inflation, but I know that that's not accurate, but uh, zero inflation all the way to hyperinflation and a snap. And I think what's going to happen is there's going to be three stages before we get to a, a choice for hyperinflation, and I'll describe that choice in a minute. First, well, wait a second. A, you said that there's a hyperinflation is – what about a deflationary depression? So you're, you're sold on those, it being those, hyperinflation? Those – those two outcomes are possible, and I think that we'll. I think that you'll go, we'll go through these three phases, 
and then one of the two will happen. You'll get a hyperinflation or you'll get a deflationary depression, or I call it the Greater Depression or the Great Depression too. So, so I, so uh, if you listen last couple of nights, I described about the money supply and how excess reserves. There's 1.1 trillion dollars of the excess reserves, basically parked at the Fed in the digital vault, and that money is not in the money supply. Um, as soon as the banks start loaning that money, it'll go into the M1 money supply, which is basically checking accounts. And that, that currently stands at $1.7 million, uh, trillion. So if you just think about the value of just – if all that money just hopped over in an instant, prices would nearly double just from that. But we know that there's fractional reserve banking, so that money is going to multiply um, eight, seven, eight, nine times. So when the banks start lending, we're going to get at least get to back to 3%, you know, year-over-year year increases. And that will – as soon as you break that threshold, people will start to realize that – the cost of things are going up. That's when gas starts costs costing four dollars in some states, four fifty in others, and people take notice. But but if the banks keep lending, then we go into the second a key point, which is uh, double digit inflation. And it's kind of like the same way that people look at uh, the unemployment number, even though we know that's bogus too. You know, it's at nine percent. There's this threshold between nine and ten, and as soon as it goes double digit, oh no. So I think we'll get double-digit around the year 2014, and then I think that as things progress worse, we'll get all the way up to 20%, and that's and that's maybe around 2017. That's when I think the decision comes in between the Fed and the commercial bankers, what happens next. What do you guys think? You really think it's going to get that far, 2017? Uh, I, think, I think it'll take that long. Uh, is that Curtis that was talking? That's right. Curtis, I think it'll take the 2017 because I think the bankers are going to tiptoe back into the economy with their loans. Um, they're not loaning right now. They're, if you look around, there's the, the small businesses that need the credit and the loans. They're not getting it. Uh, the big banks are protected. They have this money. It's to protect their balance sheet. They can bleed. They are bleeding to death because they are still paying depositors. It's called hey, contraction, though. We're up against a break. Stick around. We'll bring you back. This is Free Talk Live. Talk radio you control. Give us a call. 603-435-1105. You're back on Free Talk Live, the live internet-only Sunday edition. Call in number 603-435-1105. It's Talk Radio You Control. This is Curtis. Michelle. And Sean. And we're going back to caller on line three. Go ahead, Colin. Hey, okay, this is Jason in Colorado. So when we when we just left off at the break, we were talking about basically the progression fr- um, from prices being basically stagnant right now to... I was ending with uh, 20% year over year in the year 2017. And uh, this, this timetable I've laid out, obviously, I don't control it. The commercial bankers and the Fed control that excess reserves that I was talking about. And as the quicker that money comes off the sidelines, the quicker the commercial bankers put it in, out there for loans, that, that moves things up. So conceivably, it could move up uh, by three years. But 
I wanted to, I want the call, I want the Wait, listeners to Wait, can you pause right there for one second? Because yeah, you're making sure. these statements and no one's challenging you on them. You say that the prices have basically been stagnant and we've been specifically talking about food. Well, that's not true. I've kept a very careful record and accounting of, of my uh, budget and finances over the last 10 years, and the price of food has almost tripled. Right. Hey, Michelle, and we know that the CPI is rigged. And so it's lowballed. So I, I completely understand. I'm just using CPI numbers as a reference point because they're the only available numbers. Your 10 years of uh, stats on the food, we, we know that food and gas is going up way more than what is quoted in the media as the CPI. So I, I'm with you. I, I completely agree. I, I believe that all these numbers are, in actuality, at least 7 or 10% higher than I'm actually talking about. So but, 2017 is a fairly generous estimation. Curtis was well, right in saying so, it could happen much sooner. Yeah, I'm, all I'm trying to say is that uh, the excess reserves can convert it into loans, creates the money supply that we all use in our daily lives. And I think that if they go by, I'm kind of using the 70s as my pacing item here on, on how long this will take. In, in 19, right at the 80s, at the 1980, when we had the high inflation, they basically had to make a choice to keep buying treasuries or go into a, you know, a deflationary depression. Actually, it wasn't a depression, a recession, but it was a pretty wicked one. So I, I think that when – all I'm trying to say is I think the Fed and the bankers will let this thing run until uh, there's basically protests, protests over prices. And that gets back into, you know, these guys writing on stone, you know, prices are going to be controlled, and it's going to be ugly. But I, I think that there's a choice that's going to be made by the Fed – to either keep buying treasuries, and that will lead to hyperinflation, or the Fed, to save their own skins, will put on the brakes and save the dollar, will put on the, their brakes, and then we'll get, I think what you were alluding to, the deflationary depression. But we can't have a deflationary depression as long as there's an FDIC willing to insure bank deposits and a Fed willing to buy treasuries to circulate. And people who are willing to pay federal income taxes and pay in the, the debt on the loan. Yeah. Well, this this assumes that this this assumes they just keep rolling it over and they don't. And then the, I mean, this calamity comes sooner as interest rates rise for the government, not you and us, mm-hmm. you and I. So well, I, I'm I doing my part to, to not pay federal income taxes, so I don't support that system. I hope you are too. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And 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 that's why I want to start my own business where I don't uh, basically use W two and all that stuff. But I I'm not there yet. But I, I want people to know that this is why um, what you can do in the meantime is pay down your debts. Because if you get to the point where they do deflate, then your debts will become harder to pay down. So you want to get rid of those so you can accumulate savings. And then with those savings, besides stockpiling consumer goods, you could, in a hyper, I mean, life sucks in a hyperinflation. I mean, that's 1920s Germany. That's the currency is destroyed. That's the. Um, Division of labor breaking down. That is, I mean, that's the worst of all possible outcomes. Well, it's a good thing I have a truck so I can go take a truckload of money to go buy a loaf of bread, huh? Well, that you you can buy some uh, gold or silver at uh, uh, gold.freetalklive.com, and uh, then you won't have to worry about the hyperinflation quite as much. And, and Sean, one of the things that people can do, if they do accumulate some gold, um, they can spend maybe an ounce or two or three. If you accumulate a few ounces... During a hyperinflation, you can actually pay off your mortgage with a few ounces of gold. But you generally should not be spending your gold to buy bread. Your gold is to bribe guards 
it's you know the cross borders. Your your goal is to basically use in the aftermath when when the currency is reborn, even if it's another fiat currency, and or start a business or do that kind of stuff. So um, you should not be buying bread and rice and beer with your gold. Assuming they don't make gold illegal. Well, we don't care if they make it illegal. They'd have to come around and take it away first. Well, they've done that before a couple times. This is true. (laughs) Yeah, and I wouldn't be too worried about gold confiscation because so few Americans actually own gold besides maybe a wedding band and uh, and a woman's jewelry. I mean, uh, it's not like the Indian population in India where they have dowries and they actually know to save gold. Uh, I don't think they'll confiscate it because almost nobody has it. It puts you in an enviable position after hyperinflation if you survive. You paint a rosy picture, buddy. <laughs> oh no, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, if there's a hyperinflation, there's there's tens of millions of people that will die. That's not rosy. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you survive that, you'll be in a position to to carry on. I guess. I guess the sarcasm doesn't get it all the way over there to Colorado, huh? No, no. It must be the time delay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'll just say I'm glad I'm here in New Hampshire because if Porkfest is any judge, there's quite the silver economy up here. Mm-hmm. That is true, and we yeah. got labor notes. Hey, Sean, as well. I'm I'm a, I'm a uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of free. I'm a Free State Project member. I'll be moving in the next couple of years, and I guess now I'll have to bring extra women with me since uh, since Mr. Kilbrew might not be fulfilling his end of the bargain. So why are you waiting? Why am I waiting? Ooh, I'm uh, paying off some debts. I'm trying to establish a business, and I need the business to work both here in Colorado and there. No, so. not really. You, why would you want to invest in Colorado when you can come out here and and uh, and be no, around? I want, to, I, I want I want to start some type of business that's portable uh, via you know basically website type business. So, well, port yourself here and do it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else tonight? Uh, I have to find those women first to bring with me. <laughs> Thanks for your call. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. It's Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. It's a talk you control. Call lens are wide open. Give us a call. Talk about anything you want. In the meantime. In, share that wool. In the meantime, <laughs> uh, actually, I think we're pretty well done with that one. Number three, aren't we? We've, we're on number three, which is somewhat related. Paper money is amazing. The fifth con of Persia which whose name is something in Mongolian that means amazing that I'm not going to try to butcher. Um, after recklessly squandering the money he had left from the previous uh, Persian kings, realized he was in no position to cope with a massive epidemic that began devastating his subjects' livestock. So he came up with an amazing solution to his financial problems. Paper money. It had been invented by uh, Kabuli Khan in uh, China, and he thought the idea was a godsend. He would print up certificates, just like the Chinese ones, decree death for anyone who refused them, and all of his problems would be solved. Amazing! Unfortunately, he did not fuss too much with technical details like convertibility and capital controls, which Kabuli Khan had agonized over. And the result was the total failure of the project, as with pretty much every other paper money scheme in the entire history of the world. Hopefully soon the dollar. Uh, so far, I think it's the longest lasting. Well, China made it very convenient to um, to create debt, actually, through the 
through their awesome paper money. Pur- purchasing power. Yeah. And exporting power, their awesome production power. <laughs> yeah, I won't say I'm that familiar with uh, Chinese paper money efforts, but the ones I've looked into uh, have not worked out so well. Pretty sure they use our, our fiat money these days. Uh, these days? Yeah, I'm sure they There's do. There's so many greenbacks. All right. It's Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. You can call in 603-435-1105. Give us a call. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. We'll be right back. That's right. It's Free Talk Live, the live Sunday internet-only edition. Call in lines open, 603-435-1105. Give us a call. Talk about anything you want. You've got Curtis. Michelle. And Sean. You're going to need to pull that microphone down there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, that might help. You're going to be using it. Well, apparently, because uh, nobody's calling in. Let's not uh, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to encourage them. The lines are wide open. 603-435-1105. Give us a call. In the meantime? In the meantime, uh, we've got the uh, fourth economic blunder from history, uh, in which the uh, Ming Dynasty in China decided that uh, they didn't want to have to worry about those pesky Japanese invading. So they started buying and importing every sword the Japanese had. Now, the Japanese, of course, had the same reaction Doritos guys did. Buy all you like. We'll make more. And they proceeded to do so. But that moves us. But I don't have too much on that one unless you guys have something to add. Sorry. Uh, I got nothing. Uh, Michelle? No. no. Uh, so we'll <laughs> move on to uh, number five. No smuggling allowed. So It's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Uh, one would think and price controls as we discussed earlier are stupid just about any time but you want real idiocy you apply price controls in the middle of a siege uh. in 1584 fif- forces controlled by alexander von Furness, duke of parma was were besieging holland's grandest city antwerp in the dutch war of independence at first, the siege was ineffectual because uh, the Duke's lines were porous and Antwerp was supplied by smugglers coming in by sea. And then the magistrates of the city decided, you know, these smugglers, they're just charging us too much. And they put in price controls. <laughs> so what do you think happened? They starved? Yeah, the smugglers <laughs> decided, you know, if we're not going to get as much money, we're not going to bring anything in. The city starved and surrendered the next day. <laughs> and this whole time you're telling me about this, I'm thinking to myself, never heard of him. What's this? Never heard of that war. Like, this is must not have lasted very long or very, been very consequential. Cause well, you know about the, uh, the tulip radar. mania, though, and that corresponds, actually, with tulip mania. The, the tulip mania is kind of strange because it actually happened under a hard money system. I wish I knew more about it, but uh, from what I understand, the uh, banks in Amsterdam insisted on 100% gold reserves. I think it may have had something to do with the um, the Spanish gold coming in 
from uh, the New World. But again, I'm not well versed in that one. No, because the New World came a little bit after that. Was it? Like yeah. I said, I'm not well versed in it. Well, we have manias now with real estate and the market, and we've seen some of the uh, decline in that. And I, I keep telling people I can't wait to see that 50% decline that's still coming in real estate so I can snatch up some things for cash. And it doesn't matter. I've moved from California to Alabama to Tennessee and now New Hampshire. And uh, all along the way, as you travel east, it's you know behind Arizona and California and the market decline. And People always say the same thing. Oh, it can't happen here. And then I stay long enough to watch it happen. It's not going to happen in New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's not. Yeah. I, I really don't think so, though. Well, considering that the uh, street that I moved to today, there are or, uh, moved to in the last week, there are two houses that are up for sale and a short sale. That's statistically, that's pretty high, considering there are only three houses. For sale on the street. <laughs> it's a pretty long street, though. <laughs> oh, there's and a... which one of those houses are the Mazingos going to move into? <gasps> the Mazingos, Robin and Tommy, my two favorite people from Porkfest. Yeah, they're moving over from Germany, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yep, we're uh, looking at houses for them right now, and they're typing things in online and putting in their... It's their not so easy for them quest. to call the, the homeowner from Germany and say... You know, we want to look at the house. No, definitely easier for me to swing by and take some photos and send them to them and get their specs. And basically, they just want to get over here and have very few requirements. And this is kind of a full circle thing for you, because if I recall correctly, it wasn't, oh, what, maybe four or five weeks ago that someone was doing the same thing for you. Yes, Curtis. <laughs> Did you call me sovereign or Soviet? Sovereign. Thank you. You're welcome. So you're not a Soviet? No, not so, but I get accused of it quite often these days. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I really want to know. What so back to Robin and Tommy. Me. Robin and Tommy Mazingo. So you found three houses on your on your very own road, which are for sale, and they're willing to sell for less than what's owed. Uh, two of them are up for short sale, which essentially means that they're being sold for what's uh, for less than what's owed to the bank, and um, in the that's in the uh, hopes of avoiding a full um, foreclosure. And the reason why I called on these homes, even though they had for sale signs out in front of them, uh, was because I do know that people are in, um, this is more of a buyer's market, so to speak. And you can actually ask someone whose home is for sale if they'd be willing to rent it to you. So that's what I was doing. I was looking for rents for the Mazingos. For those who don't know, Peterborough, New Hampshire is about to become like the new keen, the new new place to be if you're a Liberty family. Move your Liberty family to Peterborough, New Hampshire and hang around with the, the Seven family. Yes, I and live the Eastman's, in Peterborough. It's all about the community. That's why people move here. It's not so much the natural resources or the jobs. or It certainly isn't for the Internet or any of those other things. I mean, look what happened when we had our Facebook breakup. I mean, people actually showed up at my house with, uh, what is it, Misery Soup or what, I don't know what Eli called that... Um, Breakup soup, actually, and and uh, and Louisman had a, a really nice book of Abigail Adams quotables, and and everyone rallied, and it was great. So they actually commiserated with you in person, right? Come to New Hampshire, break up with your significant other, and people will bring you soup. <laughs> Come on down to New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, see, I did that backwards. I broke up with my significant other and then moved to New Hampshire. And did you get any soup? Bring you soup? Yeah. <laughs> I did not get any soup, no. You should have waited on, on the breakup until you got here. Yeah. Oh, well, I made a mistake. <laughs> Live and learn. Did, All you, right. did you get soup? 
No rummy soup, no. <laughs> <laughs> there was no misery or breakup soup for me, no. It might have to do some, something to do with that uh, ratio problem we were discussing earlier. Oh. It might have something yeah. to do with the fact, yeah, there's you know, 12. That I'm fabulous. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try not to get in any trouble here. Number four. Uh, number six. Number six. Excellent. <laughs> number six. The Gold Factory of Venice. In, gold Factory? That's what it says. The Gold Factory. Interesting. In 1590, the Republic of Venice was in decline. It had been... It had fended off the Ottoman Turks 19 years earlier... At the Battle of Lepanto, which I've never heard of as well, uh, but nevertheless lost to Cyprus, the Republic's greatest possession. You should have been homeschooled, by the way. Then you'd know all these things and how to I read should, Latin. I, I, I should have been. <laughs> Unfortunately, my parents didn't find out about homeschooling until after I didn't graduate. Right. <laughs> so in any case, so they fended off the Ottoman Turks and... and in 1585, the newly elected leader had to throw silver coins instead of the traditional gold because he didn't have any gold left. Uh, weighed down by taxes, imposts, tariffs, duties, tithes, assessments, and fees, the economy had seen better days. But from out of this doom, a new hope. <laughs> hope and change. Hope and change. Unexpectedly appeared. A long-lost Venetian named Marco Bragadini, currently resident in nearby Lombardy, had discovered how to make gold. Marco. Polo? There you Are go. you serious? That's keep, what it says Keep here. going. Let's hear, let's hear the secret here. The Republic had to act fast, though, because the Duke of Montoro was trying to lay his hands on this valuable goose. A cohort of soldiers was sent forthwith and... But, Bragandi? Godney? Bragandi. Something like that. Again, I don't speak Latin, Italian, French, (laughs) Spanish, uh, pretty much anything but English. It was securely delivered to the city in triumph by three galleys. Sounds like a big guy. Takes three ships to carry him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you find that one amusing, Michelle. Uh, rigorous scientific tests were ordered by the Senate to verify this power of, uh, I guess, gold production. Press the digitation, maybe? Maybe. More, more than likely. Uh, the alchemist filled a crucible with quicksilver, which is mercury, added a pinch of his secret powder, and set it fire. Soon, the quicksilver turned to gold. You're going to have to stick around if you want to hear the end of this story. <laughs> It's Free Talk Live to Talk Radio. You control. You can call in talking about anything you want. 603-435-1105. We'll be right back. You're back for hour two of Free Talk Live. It's Talk Radio. You control. All you need to do is get on the phone and call in at 603-435-1105 and talk about anything you'd like to talk about. With you tonight is Curtis. Michelle. And Sean. And we're broadcasting live from Free Keen, New Hampshire. All of us Free State Project participants. Is that correct? 
Uh, no, I never signed anything. That's why I asked, because there's quite a few who are like, oh, I just moved. Nope, just moved here. So in this little sample population, one out of three just moved. They didn't bother signing any pieces of paper or any uh, online signature and say they were going to move. They just moved, huh? Uh, would look that way here, yeah. I know I'm not the only one. I know you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. Extrapolate that out. We've probably got, I don't know, 2,000 activists here, maybe. Mm, <laughs> I'd go about 1,500. That'll work. Well, I did sign up, actually, for the Free State Project back in 2004, I think. And it took me, um, I got had a little detour, but then uh, came out for Liberty Forum, knowing only Jason Talley, Pete Air, and Adam Miller from uh, Motorhome Diaries. And um, they had kind of introduced me by way of an interview with Free Talk Live, Mark Edge, and Ian Freeman, who then kind of connected me with Chris Lawless. I ended up speaking at Liberty Forum in March, where I met Curtis, who then, you know, Oops. spent two months talking me into coming now. And I did. And I'm so happy I did. We're happy you're here. Thank you. Great addition to the community. We need more more good activists, that's for sure. 603-435-1105. That's the Free Talk Live Sunday internet-only edition call-in line. Give us a call. Talk about anything you want. In the meantime, number seven? Uh, we're still in number six. Oh, okay. Number six. We, we, we just had this guy figure oh, we're making gold. out how to make gold. Mm-hmm. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. He lit it on fire with some secret powder and it turned to gold. Mm. The price of alchemist capes and retorts skyrocketed. I'm glad I've got mine already. <laughs> you should model that in case people are looking um it's, it's radio I'm, I'm sure that uh, anybody watching the cam has seen it already mm-hmm. and anybody on the radio isn't going to right uh anyway the uh senor Bengandi coolly informed the senate he could produce six million ducats or whatever they would require for himself he wanted nothing but to be the humble servant of his country does anyone here believe that line? No. I didn't think so. Naturally, the Senate put all the resources of Venice at his disposal. Nobles flocked by the dozen, imploring him to cut them in on his business. The months wore on, but the production of the new gold factory was disappointingly meager. Apparently, there were limits to the speed with which gold could be manufactured. Sensing a mounting impatience with his operations... Burgundy absconded to Munich, where Duke William the Pious was wooing him. Unfortunately, in the meantime, Pope Sixtus had died and been replaced with uh, Pope Gregory the Fourteenth, who considered the alchemist and his two dogs to be the devil's spawn and sent orders <laughs> for their execution, with which William complied. Wow. The Senate of Venice has decided to pretend the whole thing never happened. Hmm. So what's this about the gold factory, though? It doesn't say how the gold factory worked, but apparently it didn't work very well. I mean, what's, but it worked some? Um, like he was pumping out some gold? I'm guessing there was a fair amount of trickery involved. There must have been. If they had just actually, if the Venice government had actually just given him more money, he would have had a better opportunity, better chance to make that successful, I think. I, I'm sure that it, that if you feed more money into a government program, it will work better. Yeah. For those who don't know, that was sarcasm. Just uh-huh. a little. <laughs> uh, moving on to number seven. Number seven now, okay. How to deal with hoarders. As uh, 
The famine in the French Revolution careened out of control in 1793. A radical clique called the Committee of Public Safety, mm. headed by Robespierre, took power. Mm-hmm. They resolved to solve the food problem by enacting the general maximum. Price controls, once again. This time enforced by guillotine. <laughs> Uh, when it failed to increase the supply of food, they sent soldiers into the countryside to forcibly seize seed grain from the evil farmers who were hoarding it to plant next year. Robespierre went to the guillotine the next year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work very well. No. Every time you apply force, whatever you were trying to do, you get the exact opposite. Makes it pretty easy to guess which way the wind's blowing, though. Just watch, what, just watch what the government's doing. And expect the opposite to happen? Exactly. Doesn't sound like a bad plan. Maybe maybe that could be Free Talk Live's investment advice of the day. Figure out what the government's going to do and plan for the exact opposite. To that happen. would make you a contrarian, actually, according to economic vernacular. I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing contrarians are doing kind of well right now. Gee, I don't know. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> You know a little something, don't you? <clears throat> I am a financial trader. And? I'm short. I'm short the S&P. What's that mean? means that um, the position I have uh, is that I am hedging that the market's going to go down. Sounds like a good bet to me. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Well, it uh, depends if you're looking at you know short-term, daily, weekly, monthly. I have a, a little longer position on than then is affected by the daily up and down takes. It's completely over my head. Mm. I understand a tiny, itty, bitty, small fraction of that. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. 603-435. This is oh, 1105. I almost forgot the part. Cool. 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live. The talk radio you control. All you got to do is call in. That's the 603-435-1105 number. And start talking. Any subject you want. And don't forget the imp lines, they're open too, if you know the number. Yeah, I'm not going to give that one out, so. So we've got number eight here, uh, a hobo's dream and empire's end. In 1880, railroad technology was advancing rapidly, and the Russians received several private petitions for a concession in the Far East. To the paranoid patricians of Moscow, it was not enough to merely deny these foreign schemers. They needed to build their own railroad to the east to keep them out. Because the government is so good at building things. Like, um... Amtrak is great. Are you kidding? Like, it could have... I could have taken a train from Nashville to here, and it would have taken me, like, only five days and been about $2,000. And how much did it cost you to drive with the tractor trailer full of stuff that you It only took us about four days. Yeah, we Uh, took our time. Okay, see? You beat Amtrak. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure that was that cost was just for you and your family, not for your stuff. <laughs> right. We got a caller. Let's go straight to the talk line. Number three, you're on the air. Say again? Go ahead, caller. Uh, oh, Joy. Hi. I'm Kurt from North Carolina. Hey, Kurt. What's going on? Uh, Hello, Kurt. You guys, apparently. Um, um, <laughs> no, what I was... Uh, you said talk about quantum physics. So I want to bring up a, a nitpick I want to pick about quantum physics, and when anybody talks about it, quantum means small, not big. 
quantum leap does not mean leaping across time and space. It means an itty-bitty, teeny little leap, just the tiniest thing. But it makes a great TV show. Well, it makes it's a great word that nobody, well, okay, few people seem to understand, I guess. Maybe it's like, uh, it's like radical. Nobody seems to understand what radical means either. What's your point, though? <laughs> There's a little pet peeve in his. No he one said, even mentioned quantum physics, though. He's confusing. Yes, he did. Who's Go back, he? It's dead. Uh, Robin M. Call and talk about quantum physics with about a dozen asterisks. You're, uh, you're, conf- you're, conf- you're confusing the radio yeah, and that, the internet. That would be the chat room, and Robin, I believe, is in Germany, not here. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> we can talk about quantum physics anyway. I don't know anything about it, so... Uh, Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's a great subject for us to talk I about. I want to call in to Free Talk Live and talk about something that I have no idea. And what would that be? Don't, no, don't I, was, I don't know I how to run a radio show, and yet here I am. They have no yeah, really. idea. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many of the 9-11 truth types call in and say, I, I don't know why, I just know buzzwords? <laughs> oh. Hey, you want to stick around? we got up against a break. Sure, why not? Excellent. It's Free Talk Live to Talk Radio. You control. You can call in, talk about anything you want. 603-435-1105. We'll be right back. Back about halfway through the live internet-only Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. The call-in number is 603-435-1105. Give us a call. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. It's the talk radio you control. With you tonight, you've got Curtis. Michelle. And Sean. And waiting in the wings, we've got Meg. We'll be joining us in the next segment for the rest of the show. But in the meantime, let's go back to Kurt in North Carolina. Hey, Kurt, go ahead. Hi. Um, go ahead with what, may I ask? Well... You've already admitted you don't know anything about physics. Yeah, let's not talk about quantum physics, (laughs) because... Why are you listening to the show? Don't question them why they're listening to the show. Just listen to the show. (laughs) Because I enjoy chaos. I enjoy random things. I enjoy seeing how people deal with with, uh, just having to keep up with callers and stuff like that. Mm. I enjoy the Saturday show to see just what kind of crazy people will call in. (laughs) the rest of the time, it's, it's, I, I mentioned this the last time I called you guys. Uh, it's, it's really hard for me to call in because I don't actually disagree with Mark and Ian about much right. at all. Well, are you going to make it to uh, Porkfest 2011? We were talking about that earlier. I have not the foggiest idea. It was pure <laughs> luck that I was able to make it this year. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea if I'll make it next. What was your Probably favorite? Probably not. Well, if you start saving now, you might have enough. <laughs> What was your favorite part? What was your favorite uh, aspect of Porkfest this year? Well, I have to admit it was the kids because having a having a three year old boy there, I had to deal with kids the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I was able to make it to some of a few of the talks, and we were able to walk around and uh, eat uh, mandrake out of house and home. Mm-hmm. But back to the playground. Ask Every Curtis. Day, back to the playground. Ask Curtis what's going to be going on next year. At the uh, for kids. Why don't you just ask me yourself? Why do you even need to ask okay. me? You know what's going on. Yeah. Michelle Seven's going to be in charge of the kids and uh, and the family entertainment next year. And oh, so, those poor children. 
No, I'm sure she's going to do an absolutely wonderful job. That's why I asked her to do it. She's she's going to bring so a lot of. So you're actually planning something instead of just letting it get made up. I'm planning actually a whole There's a lot um, of planning program. that goes into Pork Fest. Uh, uh, several program. So we'll have our own separate program actually, and we're going to have a uh, kind of an Agorist Avenue, you know, offshoot of Agorist Alley and um, or Agora. Yeah, Thank Agora you. Alley, and uh, so kids will have an opportunity to. Uh, have a little practice with entrepreneurial agorism and uh, we're going to have some s- storytelling time uh, around nap time and in the early evening and, and hopefully the um, we can get a whole s- little section reserved for families who can volunteer to be in that camp or not based on their own family's needs. And that would include like having an earlier uh, quiet time or, or whatever so that, you know, people that are there with families can continue to have their schedule and still enjoy all that Porkfest has to offer. Well, scheduling, I can imagine, is going to be an, an amazing effort. Scheduling well, for the kids? You just got to make sure well, you schedule uh, something they're going to want to... Trying, trying not to make conflicts and things for parents, too. That would be difficult. Well, I think, that uh, hopefully, if if we organize, if I organize it properly, then, <laughs> I mean, you know, the kids part, then, yeah. um, and I'm doing so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a single mom of three kids who are all teenagers, so I'm very well aware of scheduling conflicts and trying to maximize opportunity. Well, and so, the, hopefully, the parents will be able to attend some things without the children, because exactly. they'll be doing stuff with you. Right. Yeah, that was not possible for me with a three-year-old this time. Michelle would love to take care of your three-year-old next year, your four-year-old next year. Uh, she was molting this last uh, pork fest. She was leaving little red feathers everywhere. <laughs> oh, Michelle was molting. Yeah. <laughs> I thought your three-year-old Not was the molting. <laughs> I was wondering. There were actually no, two three. gals in a in soapbox idol who followed me into the bathroom. And, and uh, when I walked out of the toilet stall, they're like, oh, my gosh, it is you. We've been following your trail of feathers <laughs> all over <laughs> To the ladies' bathroom. I saw, feathers, I, I saw red feathers on the ground all the way to Sunday. Yeah, well. That's so funny. I left my mark. Well, Mark Warden That's was true. pimping your boa for a while, though, wasn't he? <laughs> the porcupine realtor was wearing your big big red feather boa. He was. At uh, Buzz's big gay dance party. Now, that's one of the things I didn't make. I had to hang around for a nap. <laughs> uh, you missed a great time. It was a good party. Yeah, I saw the Ridley report. Yeah. Controversial though it was, uh, that would have been hey, all those people having a good time. It was it was uh, someone built it as the straightest gay party you'll, you'll ever be to or uh, have been to. Mm-hmm. Well, was, I mean, it, it was, was pretty straight. in the middle of the day. How how weird can something be in the middle of the day? That's um, it's a good point. It's kind of a tradition though with gays tea dances. We we learned the whole history. I won't bore you with it, but mm-hmm. they happen during the day for a reason. So, plus she was trying to be uh, uh, neighborly. And Buzz, if you're listening right now, uh, Curtis did not mean to say that tea dances are boring in any way. When did I say boring? You just I won't, won't bore you with the details. Yeah, is what exactly. I said. I'm just clarifying. Just don't want Buzz's feelings. I don't to be really. Hurt. I don't really. She's know a very the details, sensitive so. girl. <laughs> I hear a baby in the background. I hear a small yeah, child. Yeah, that's that's my boy. That's him demanding. I want to play with Mama's computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Kurt, thanks yeah. for the call. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, well, let's see. I could I could say Windows sucks, and I'm a Linux bigot, but that's about it. That's great. You're not going to get any argument from me. 
Thanks uh, for the call, Kurt. I love watching people make silly fools of themselves. Anyway, have a wonderful time, and I'll call you next week. Excellent. Thank you. Well, if you want to watch people make silly fools of themselves, you can always go to cam.freetalklive.com and watch the three of us. <laughs> we'll give a little wave there. 603-435-1105. That's the Free Talk Live Sunday call-in. We've got a caller on line five. Let's go straight to it. Hey, line five, what's going on? Hey, Curtis, this is JJ. Hey, JJ, what's up, man? Hey, Curtis, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that uh, that debate that happened and uh, the whole uh, marijuana legalization and that sort of... Uh, the agorist position versus what what seemed to be, I mean, it seemed almost like Rich Paul uh, sort of conceded the debate right at the beginning, and I, I was really a little disappointed. Strong arguments. Yeah, I was I was disappointed at the lack of debating during that debate myself. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there there just wasn't a strong um, agorist argument. It was sort of a minarchist versus a minarchist argument, which kind of equal name. Yeah, if anyone was confused earlier on whether or not civil disobedience is working inside the system, I think Rich Paul pretty much let everyone know that it's an inside the system uh, a tactic and not quite uh, the one for the anarchist. But hey, what right. the hell? So, what right. exactly yeah, did yeah. you want to address about that? Well, it was the, uh, the the controversial aspects that you had mentioned in that uh, sort of the uh, the laws were subsidizing uh, the agorists. Now, the black market, if you will, I won't say agorist, I'll just say black market, where it was the law subsidized the black market by increasing the cost and the rarity of the item and, uh, you know, affecting the supply-demand curve. Which is completely and, bunk, especially the rarity part. When when you make something, you know, that people want and you prohibit it, you're actually going to make it easier to come across. That's right. Than if right. they were to legalize it and regulate it and whatnot. Right, and then of course the, the idea of uh, commercializing it and then uh, diluting it or, or making it more palatable for, for consumers, rather than um, where some agorists would make the the best product they could because it's, it's more of a passion for them, you know. Right, we're up against the break. We're going to keep JJ around. Come on back after the break. Six zero three four three five eleven zero five. It's Free Talk Live. The talk radio you control. That's right, you're back on Free Talk Live, the live internet-only Sunday edition. Just call in number 603-435-1105. Give us a call talk about anything you want. With you, you got Curtis. And Meg. And Sean. And JJ. What's going on, JJ? Hey, Curtis. Uh, I so, just wanted to quick give a shout-out to uh, Michelle uh, and uh, her wonderful kids for all the work they did at the, uh, the Pork Fest and the work for the Civil uh, Disobedience Evolution Fund on fundraising and that stuff. Uh, just uh, much love and appreciation for that stuff. Excellent. I'll pass so, that along. Yeah, excellent. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about, um, well, sort of a perspective. Uh, Sean and yourself are, are pretty new to New Hampshire. Um, Sean, more than you. And I just kind of want to get your guys' uh, feelings on, on the movement since you've joined and um, and your perspective on where things are going and, and whatnot, seeing as it's different from from people who've been here a little bit longer and whatnot. Um, to me, it looks like voluntarism is growing. I, it, it, I would certainly agree there. It seems like a lot of the movers are uh, more anarchist or voluntarist, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the people that come here on the fence not knowing a whole lot about the uh, 
more intricate libertarian philosophies end up being converted to anarchism pretty readily. So I think the anarchist, uh, I think the free state project is becoming predominantly more anarchist instead of minarchist. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I would have to agree there. It, it, I think it has a lot to do with the um, logical consistency in, in most anarchist theory. And there's certainly anarchists who I disagree with, but we can all debate things reasonably well. Well, I think uh, when you're a minarchist, you have a lot of issues that are still confusing to you. And so when you talk to anarchists or voluntarists, you know, they sort of have this not the right answer, but every answer could be the right answer. And that's what you have to go with is just freedom of choice. And so it's very easy to just accept that as an answer and then step over to anarchism or voluntarism or whatever you want to call yourself. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's, it sort of feels like it's a logical conclusion as you, as you met out that equation and you keep, you know, eliminating uh, the common denominator and, and coming up with a similar solution. It just comes down to no government. I mean, as you look at the entire the thought process behind that and the, the whole NAP treaty or NAP idea um, and, uh, and whatnot. Also, um, a big... Uh, Shout out and props to Meg for the uh, the crap campaign and uh, all the work that's gone into that. Uh, the newest video is outstanding. So yeah, it's uh, fun. I want to find out what the response from that has been because we've had it up for like a week, and I'm sure those guys have got to have been getting phone calls and letters by now. So I want to see what's going on with that town. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. What do you think but, uh, about the progression of the Free State Project, JJ? Well, it's it certainly has. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. When I, when I first came here, the, uh, you know, Social Sundays in Keene was about eight people. Um, and that, and, you know, there was many people talking about being anarchists, but the uh, the political movement was in full force with the Ron Paul campaign uh, backing it up and sort of giving it a lot of uh, credibility. Um, and shortly after the Ron Paul thing ended, uh, I, there was a, a drop-off. Uh, certainly we had liberty candidates that were uh, running locally and in the state, but uh, it seemed like the Ron Paul campaign added this sort of artificial boost. Um, and since then, I agree wholeheartedly, uh, Porkfest has become sort of a, a benchmark of sorts, and I've seen much more uh, voluntarist and, and the free market ideas. And not only that, but the, the success thereof. Uh, like, like, for example, the Alt Expo has grown uh, by leaps and bounds since since the first pork fest when it was just this one little ramshackle tent attached to a I think the first pork fest that I went to um, and so you know just using that as a, as a sort of a trend marker uh, it has uh, definitely seen a lot of success and I can only see that continuing into the future I think it also speaks to the the problem we're seeing with the uh, not only the economy but sort of the, the malaise towards the, the federal government overall and what they're doing and what they're capable of doing. So I think a lot of people, uh, after going back home and talking with my family and sort of getting their perspective, they're pretty well convinced that the federal government is uh, corrupt, it's unfixable, it's a tyrant, and it's not hard to, to get them to agree on those points. It's just hard to get them to do something about it. And you wouldn't say no. your family was uh, generally pro-liberty to begin with or anything. This is just regular. No, folklore. no, they were. No, we. I have a cousin that's a, a police officer in Milwaukee, and she's uh, in in one of the hardest sort of areas to pull, patrol due to crime rates. So they're all proud of her and whatnot. So they do, you know, respect aspects of the state, but it's if there's a clear there's a clear fine line between you know the local area that they understand and know 
and the federal level, where it's it's sort of like you're we're all disenfranchised from the federal level, and and uh, so we don't even think about it. We just sort of ignore that aspect and just laugh at the uh, the news that comes out about that. Well, I certainly uh, personally find the state to be a pretty silly organization. I mean, here we've got this bunch of people with uh, guns and cages and special badges. Uh, yeah, special magic badges. Yeah, and Halloween costumes, as Halloween, far as I'm concerned. Halloween costumes and and magic black dresses that endow them with the mystical power to control everybody else. But only if we all go along with it. You don't have to get active against the state. You just have to get inactive about the state when it tells you to do something. Don't. Just stop. Yes, That's really all you can do. I agree, but after talking, see, after I just visited Wisconsin and they they enacted the uh, the whole mandatory insurance for cars law, uh, oh, where they have to get stuff. car insurance. And and talking with my my relatives who don't have insurance, they they all uh, have this sort of uh, complacency about them. Sure, they're upset about the law and they they don't like it. But when it comes to talking to, well, what are you going to do about that? That feeling you have, that emotion you have, then then they just sort of revert to this sort of fear-based complacency where, well, I guess I'll just have to get it because I don't want to pay the fine, you know? And that, that sort of coercion, they're so used to. They're so used to capitulating because it's all incremental coercion and incremental um, tyranny. It's it's not like it's an in-your-face, get-on-the-train get sort of tyranny. It's, it's piecemeal. And so it's easier to swallow those those pills than it is, uh, you know, if no. it were old tyranny. No, it, it it's not get on the train or we'll shoot you. It's okay. You've got to stay within a thousand yards of the train. Well, now it's nine hundred. Well, now it's eight hundred, and just real slowly guiding you that way. Well, it's right, also right. the indoctrination centers of the schools because I mean, from grade one, you're told you know the state is real, the state is the owner of you, and you must obey it at all times. And so they spend, you know, years and years in school just telling kids this is real, this is real. And it's very hard to break that mentality after years and years of having it driven in you. I mean, at some points, I know I still like catch myself in those thoughts where I'm like, you know, you can't do that. It's against the law. Oh, wait, no, I don't believe in the law, you know? Uh, if yeah. it's fundamentally nonviolent, there's not really an issue yeah. as far as against the law. But. Uh, yeah, the indoctrination is one of the worst things out there. That's why I think the uh, school outreach we've been doing here in Keene has been a wonderful thing to happen, and I, I hope it's been somewhat successful. You know, even if we just reach one kid and that one kid tells his parents, I want to go to homeschool instead, like, that could be that would be a the next person step. to, you know, become super activist. That would be great. <laughs> J. Joe, did you have any luck convincing your family of uh, ignoring the state and just participating in the counter-economy and living, you know, Moral I did. I did a little bit, um, especially when I spoke about the the decline of the dollar, and I pointed out the, you know, the value of gold is actually an indicator of the the loss in value of dollars, um, and, and sort of those sorts of uh, you know evidence, sort of points, argument points. But uh, they were incredibly supportive of. I showed them. I showed my mom and. Uh, some others, the uh, the video that was made of the National 420, and and that sort of moving um, video, the one that put to, put together by Meg and and Sam, um, really affected them. And in fact, my mom was overcome by emotion 
uh, at the end of the video, she was very upset at the police for doing this to peaceful people. That's great. We're up against a break. JJ, stick around. We'll bring you right back. This is Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. You can call in 603-435-1105. And you're back with Free Talk Live's live internet-only Sunday edition. It's talk radio you control. You can call in and control the airwaves, 603-435-1105. We've got Curtis. And Meg. And Sean. And JJ. Sweet. <laughs> Maybe you like that, JJ. Hey, JJ. Hell yeah. Hey. So we were um, talking about your parents and... Yeah, as far as convincing them to take to take action, uh, that's, that's the much more difficult uh, operation, I think. Um, they all agree with it, but... The, they're, like I said, very complacent and reticent to uh, take any bold moves against the state of any kind. So I don't think that's going to happen right now, unfortunately. Well, see, so. one of the things with the crap videos that I tried to do was um, make like a small participation section in every single one so that for those people who, you know, can't do the civil disobedience and, you know, can't bring themselves to even move to New Hampshire... They have this opportunity now, like with the Tamworth Millionaire Project, one that we just did. They can fill out the form and send it in and really bugs the people. And with the first one, uh, it was Mike Tyner's assault. We had them send Band-Aids to the Manchester police. And so, you know, if you create these small little things that those people can do, they can still feel like they're making a difference. And to a point, they are. I mean, when the cops get ransacked with phone calls when they arrest somebody, I know it bugs them. I got threatened with arrest for harassment for one phone call to Pete and Adam's aggressors. So it's just those little things, find the little tiny things that they can do and they will feel like they're making a difference. Well, I think they called it harassment because when they received your one phone call, it was call phone call number 387. So they figured there was a big organized group that, and if they told one of you that everybody else would stop, I don't think it quite works that way though. No, because uh, they hang up and, like that would take effort of finding me and actually leaving the state to find me. And they're not going to take that effort. That's too much work. <laughs> well, even if they could track you down, it wouldn't stop all the other people. I mean, uh, Ian announced live on national radio that people should call. And I'm sure that a number of FTL listeners did just to harass the police, if nothing else. I always assume someone else is going to call. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing with phone calls. A lot of people are nervous just to talk to people. They can't, think of what to say and it is a very direct activist position so like pre-made mail-in forms are great because people can just fill them out and send it in and not have that physical interaction not be afraid they can even sign it anonymous and so that they just know that somebody doesn't like them as opposed to this person doesn't like them right and they can't well, get I mean, that's, that's a great idea Mike, uh, with the uh, the whole you know micro activism thing that you include with your videos and and to that to that end, um, while I was there, I bought some alcohol with my sister, and it, it come to find out that in Wisconsin, it's a state law that all alcohol you buy in a store must be put inside of a bag in order for you to carry it out of the store. And, and we asked the uh, the cashier about this, and she was she was very clear about it, and we were both stunned because it's just so absurd. So I, I promptly took the alcohol out of the bag and put the bag back on the counter and left without it. It's just you know, it's sort of a 
you know, flipping the bird to the, uh, it wasn't, you know, obviously that's not really that much of an activism, but it's little things like that that I try to encourage my sister to do and my mom to do. Um, but they're also being civil disobedient and not getting the insurance because they simply can't afford it at this moment. So it's not, re- it's not really a choice. It's a matter of uh, uh, the circumstances they're given. So. Well, but every I agree little that bit helps, JJ. So yes. le- leave those paper bags behind. You don't really need them. You can carry the bottle without it. Right, exactly. But and circumstantial activism isn't necessarily bad activism. I mean, it happens, and good for those people for, you know, just change your mindset about it. Instead of, I can't afford this, it's like, no, I'm just not going to pay this. Forget that I can't afford it. <laughs> just change right, your mindset right. about it. Yes, I agree. Well, anyway, that's that's pretty much all I had, and I'll uh, see some of you at the nightcap. But uh, take care. Thanks, JJ. Thanks, JJ. All right. Peace. All right. Thank you for the call, JJ. It's Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. You can call us at 603-435-1105 and talk about anything you want. The call lines are wide open right now. How many of those uh, top ten we got left? Uh, we got quite a few, but I actually had a question for you first. We got uh, a few top ten left? Uh, well, we got a few more uh, on the top ten list. I okay. think we're on uh, number eight. But I had a question for you. Uh, JJ brought up the um, agorist position is trying to get the subsidies from the state in maintaining the black market. Would it not be... It's totally not the agorist position. By well, the way. that was the position you were sort of taking. No, no, no. Or at All least right. it seemed that way. Okay, so what happened was is there was this whole meme going on on stage about we're all on the same team we're all working towards the same goal and that being the legalization of marijuana so they they trolled me i got up there to say i disagree with your whole we're not all on the same team we're not all going towards the same goal we're not all looking to legalize and regulate and tax and and create more incentive for the government to continue to exist so i just want to get up there and kind of burst there we're all in the same you know path bubble um at no time was i was i taking some sort of position where i advocated (sighs) keeping uh, stuff illegal in order to artificially increase the price or affect demand in some way. That okay. was that was not at all part of my position, but it was something people read into it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that was not as clearly communicated as you could have hoped at that particular event. But uh, what, I wanted to, what I wanted to say is the agorists should, while certainly trying to draw money out of the particular black market of drug prohibition, I think we need to focus a little bit more into the markets for protection services rather than strictly just the um, particular drug prohibition and other non-crime. I don't think the agorists in New Hampshire are all that. Um, we're not well enough not, capitalized they're, yet. They're, well, no, I'm just saying they're not all into the the drug aspect of the agora. Oh, I wouldn't say that. that I mean, they are. you look at Agora Alley, and, and there was no drug real, real uh, retailers set up there. No, um, certainly not. There was, there was lots of tons. drugs. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I heard people complaining about the lack of stuff, so I don't know. Well, um, but I, I do know that they were selling ice cream and food and everything else, and and you know, and so I, I totally agree with you. Is I I can't wait to see private protection spring up for the agora. Um, but like I said, spring up, like it's going to, it's going to emerge as a result it, of market it will, demand. It will emerge as a result of market demand, but us sitting here talking about it is describing that market demand and maybe there's an entrepreneur listening. I always, every time I meet a cop in New Hampshire or, or a law enforcement officer who is, a, is a, more of the peace officer mold, and there's, there's a few, quite a few up here. I mean, there's, there's the cowboys and there's the sheriffs and whatnot. I always hope to myself that they'll quit their evil status position. You know, it's funded by force and start up a private protection agency for people who shun the use of force. 
people like Brad Jardis, who got involved for at least a little while with uh, CD Evolution. I hope Brad Jardis picks up um, the mantle and, and maybe starts a little something. Who knows? I think he's I think he's thinking about running for um, the sheriff of Grafton County or trying to be, become the police officer, the the one police officer in Grafton or something. So he's still got some inside the system aspirations, but he's definitely a voluntarist at heart. Well, that's a good thing. We got a call in. Let's talk talk line three. Go ahead, caller. Hi, it's Cliff in Miami. Hey, Cliff, what's going on? I'm doing all right. I'm calling about um, actually starting a show or some kind of a podcast on um, getting pe- getting people to become more self starters, getting more more people to be more uh, independent of, I guess, trying to get a nine to five. Because like one of my one of my goals is to you know make it out to New Hampshire, just like a lot of your listeners. But one of the hardest things, you know, about my situation is, you know, I have a, I have a family. I have a two-year-old daughter, or the daughter that's about to be, about to be two, year, two years old in about a week or so. So it's really hard for me to just, you know, leave my job and just move over there. Or, you know, it's, it's really hard to get a job uh, up in New Hampshire while you're still living down here. Right. So one of, my things, one of the things that I want to concentrate on is, I guess, uh, working on ideas for things that people can work on to become, uh, I guess, independent of, uh, independent, essentially, to be able to, to have their own business. I think that's good for anybody, whether whether or not you want to participate in the free state. I think it's a good idea to to be you know self sustaining in a way for you to be able to uh, to prov- uh, generate your own income. So it's one, one, like for instance, one of my biggest influences has been uh, Turin, Turin Lupo, and the fact that he's you know basically just uh, I don't I don't know he he put out a podcast a while back on <clears throat> Gordon Goldsmith's uh, radio radio show uh, Liberty um, Liberty Consi- Conspiracy. Where he talked about some of the things that uh, individuals can do to, I guess, earn extra income, and I thought it was, you know, very helpful. And so, what I wanted to kind of do is, is, is uh, kind of a roundtable type show where I get to interview different people in and out, uh, in and out of the movement, who, uh, you know, have been self-starters and kind of got their own business off the floor and uh, been able to support themselves, and kind of figure out what, what it is that they have done to make themselves successful, and hoping that um, other people can kind of mimic and modify, you know, some of the things that they they have done to, you know create an uh, income stream for themselves so I, I don't know if anybody else out there had, had similar thoughts or what you, what you guys thoughts are on that uh being big supporters of the agora we're all uh very big into entrepreneurship and and making yourself uh self-reliant when it comes to an income stream that sort of thing yes. so support yeah, you 100 there man mm-hmm. we're up against a break stick around this is Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. All you got to do is call in at 603-435-1105 and talk about whatever you want. That's right, it's Free Talk Live's live, internet-only Sunday edition. Call in line 603-435-1105. Call in talk about anything you want. It's Curtis. And Meg. And Sean. And we're going back to line three. Go ahead. Yeah, still here. Hey, man, what's so, going yeah, on? No, yeah, still going, continuing with, with, with the idea of, uh, I guess, uh, having discussions on, on, on uh, becoming, uh, uh, I guess, self-sustaining. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what's going on with you guys up there as far as uh, trying to, like, I, I'm going to guess have a lot of people uh, that, that just moved up to New Hampshire that don't have, uh, I guess, regular standard nine-to-fives 
and I'm trying to figure out what the situation is with, as far as that's concerned. Are there a lot of, you know, uh, Liberty businesses popping up or, you know, how, how, where does that stand as of right now? Um, there's not a whole lot of uh, white market entrepreneurship going on within the Liberty community, but there's a whole lot of uh, agorism going on, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I believe we've okay. got uh, Keen, we've got uh, Savannah Last Biscuit moving up here sometime in the next uh, month or two to operate in Keene. Yeah, I think she's well, she's definitely one of the people that I definitely want to talk to, and and I, I know she's writing a book, and I'm I'm looking forward to reading that. I know uh, Taryn just uh, just finished writing his book. I haven't really you know looked into it yet. I haven't really read it yet. But that's something else I'm gonna I'm gonna want to do is um is kind of take a look at what their strategies are. And I, honestly, like my my goal is to make these uh, these ideas as public as possible because I know I'm in the situation where I, where I, I want to like this is I mean I want to be up there. But it, it, how to get up there is, 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 again, a very difficult situation. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, especially when you have a family, it's, it becomes a lot harder than just, you know, packing up and just saying, oh, you know what, I'm making a move. So, you know, it's, it, a lot of people are having a hard time as far as, like, how to make the, uh, uh, a smooth transition. So that, that was pretty much the idea. Yeah, and I, I was going to just jump in with, I think one of the things that we really need up here is more of the, you know, living basics type thing, like food. And uh, we definitely need more pork manners so to speak, or places for people to live who are new movers, um, probably child services or education services, just, you know, the basics of living life, because we do have a lot of underground activism and businesses up here, but a lot of them are very art driven or, you know, not necessarily something that you would need in life, but it's, you know, helpful. And so I think a lot of more, just anything that can step you out of the system and still live life would be great. And doctors. I mean, doctors Doc- and dentists. Yes. Yeah, and, that would uh, be cool. Dentists. There's a lot more women popping out babies up here, so definitely a lot more like birthing centers or midwives kind of, or anything. That, that would goes be back to what JJ was asking about, how what we've seen the change. I've I've also noticed an increase in families. Oh, yeah. And, yes, and not absolutely. only families moving, but um, and anarchist families moving, but uh, people, you know, falling in love and having babies. That's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. Yeah, I believe we had a new one arrive last night. Yep. Excellent. Congratulations to uh, Megan there with her little baby boy. I think it's a boy, is it? It is. <laughs> okay. Didn't want to screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we don't want to mess the kid up for life yet. <laughs> Were you going to say right, something? That's, uh, pretty much, no, that's pretty much uh, all I wanted to say about that uh, for now, I guess. Uh, I'll keep working with you, and uh, hopefully be talking to some more of you guys uh, later on to get some ideas on it. I guess I guess one of the things that you guys are saying right now is you know you're pretty much you know stating what your needs are. Absolutely. So, um, you know, <laughs> so a good entrepreneur listens to the needs and finds a way to you know to to fulfill those needs. So I guess I should look into I guess participating more into the community to figure out what you guys need and maybe I, in some way I can I can you know satisfy some of that need. So uh, I'll look into that. I'd encourage folks to take um, paramedic training wherever they're at and then move here. That wouldn't be a Sounds bad good. idea. Yeah, because I I can tell you that none of the people up here, if you give them good service, they're not going to be the types to you know run and turn you in for not having a license or anything like that. That's just that yeah, doesn't happen. Any doctors here. that have been jumped out of the AMA for silly reasons will definitely uh, throw some business your way. We don't care about that. Yeah, there was a uh, chiropractor offering services at Porkfest. He did a wonderful job. Oh yeah, me. I have to uh, give big props to that. My back was messed up and. I was like jello the next day. It was fantastic. I got an adjustment. I think he did some real good business at Porkfest. Oh, yeah. I believe he said on Freaking he had over 30 customers. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. He wasn't even going to bring his table. 
Wow. They didn't he, think he, there'd be any he demand. needs to remember that next year. For I sure. don't think we'll have to talk to him about it next year. Yeah. No. He'll bring it. Anyway, uh, caller, uh, you might want to check out families.freekeen.com for some inf- information on families in the area. And good luck to you getting up here. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. You too. 603-435-1105. That's the call in line for tonight's internet-only Sunday Free Talk Live edition. All right. Um, I did want to bring up one thing with the uh, whole starting a business. And if anybody wants to call in with a suggestion, that would be great. But I, I'm wondering, how do you run a business? Uh, for me personally, I don't carry government ID. I got myself out of that. I don't want any part of it anymore. But it is almost impossible to for me to figure out how to do online internet, you know, monetary exchange without a bank account, credit card, PayPal account, anything like that. And so if anybody has suggestions out there, that is a service that I would definitely want to look into, some sort of online payment system that doesn't involve government ID, because I can't think of it. I would think it would have to be something like an intermediary agorist bank to uh, handle the transactions on the white market, or at least the gray area, and then transfer the econ- the, the money to you. Yeah. There's another market demand out there. Very high. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> more the, people we can get out of the system and working with like real money online, that would be amazing. Real money would be really good. The pork manor is a real big need right now, though, too. So if you've got some money and you want to uh, get yourself a multifamily dwelling here in New Hampshire and rent out some liberty activists, there's yeah. a huge need for more uh, housing right now. Yeah, I was discussing that with another activist last night. Um, he rents out some of the rooms in his apartment, and as fast as they go empty, they fill up with two other people who want them. Yeah, he might have. He might want to consider raising his rates. I thought they were already high, but huh. if he's uh, whatever the market the, says whatever the, the market will that's bear, right. that's the rate. Exactly. Mean, How many more we got there? Uh, I think we've got. Can uh, we get one more? I think we can get one, one or two more. Let's see what we got here. Uh, we were discussing the uh, Trans-Siberian Railroad, which uh, was built, let's see here, uh, wait, I've lost my place, just a second here. Okay, the uh, under Tsar Alexander III, Russian state began taking out massive foreign loans and constructing the 5,000-mile Trans-Siberian Railway, the largest civil works project since the Great Pyramid of Giza. So, certainly a big one. Alexander and his empire would later die from the injuries sustained in a railroad accident. (laughs) By the time the corruption-ridden boondoggle was completed in 1904, Alexander's son, Nicholas II, was, technically, bankrupt. Wars and revolts started to plague the Russian Empire. Instead of carrying trade goods, the new railway was carrying political prisoners and supplies for soldiers. Wow. When Russia rolled over its debts in 1907, it was obvious to the large banking houses that the empire was financially doomed, and only small investors could be found to subscribe to the new loans. Even with these loans suspended, Russia's economy was so weak that it would not survive the coming war. Nicholas was executed July 16, 1918, by the Bolshevik revolutionaries. They managed to spend themselves into communism, quite literally. Good job, guys. Wonderful work. Don't you love it how government collapses without a actual logical, rational anarchist movement in place? And what do you get? Communism, fascism, totalitarianism of some stripe. 
You take a rational democracy, you collapse it, you get the the Roman Empire. You take the the Weimar Republic and you collapse it and you get Adolf Hitler. You take the Russian Empire and you collapse it and you get Lenin. Doesn't work out so well unless something is there to promote liberty. And when we collapse the American Empire, or when the American Empire collapses on its own, rather, we'll, be, we'll be there hopefully to make sure we don't get some yeah, I think, theocrat I think fascist. New Hampshire is going to be the exception to the rule of history for the collapsing and then being taken over because, I mean, I we pretty much, so. we're starting to take over here, but we're taking over in a different manner in which we take over for ourselves. So. That sounds good to me. And speaking of that sound, looks like we're up against a break. This is Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. Call line 603-435-1105. We'll be right back. Back with Free Talk Live's live internet-only Sunday edition. It's the talk radio you control. All you need to do is pick up your phone and dial 603-435-1105 and start talking. You've got Curtis. And Meg. And Sean. I thought I caught you sleeping there for a sec. Oh, no, I had a frog in my throat. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a bit. And before we went off, we were talking about uh, some giant railroad in the middle of nowhere yeah they so, built the, the trans-siberian railroad you'd think a name trans-siberian would just be like oh this is a bad idea yeah well what's in siberia exactly ice criminals cold gulags well you said they were using it for political prisoners so i guess that's you know why well, end up sticking all those gulags in siberia because they had that railroad so what the hell yeah well we've already wasted all this money on this railroad we might as well use it to lock up people we don't like so that that's pretty much what happened there. And so now I guess we can move on to number nine. It takes a village to build a famine. In 1984, there was a crop failure in Ethiopia, which presented a fresh set of problems for the... There was crops in Ethiopia? There were crops in Ethiopia <laughs> in 1984. Part. Well, in 1983. In 1984, the crops failed. And the Marxists were in charge, so there oh, haven't been any crops since then. <laughs> they decided to uh, nationalize the crops. They set up a series of... They came up with a new idea. Well, no, they didn't. They stole it from Stalin, which uh, they called vi- villagization. Under this plan, the uh, scattered rural inhabitants of Ethiopia would be gathered together into a modern village with all the latest civic infrastructure. And, well, this wasn't the utopia, they said. No. They had to be driven there at gunpoint for their own good. And millions starved. This led to what I believe to be a world-famous picture of the starving Ethiopian boy with the vulture behind him. Oh, yeah. That was not a pleasant bit of government action. And like any time you let the government control the food supply, you get a start. depressing time there's magazine. A, there's a theme building up here. Yeah, when the government controls the food supply, people starve. Would that be the theme? I think that is the theme. 
Well, that's kind of the way it works. Um, well, you know, a caller mentioned 40 centri- centuries of wage and price controls. Apparently, this is extracted from that. Really? One, way earlier back in hour number one. I just got far enough down the page to see that. <laughs> well, uh, apparently, the leader of... Uh, of uh, the problems in Ethiopia when he was finally deposed, he ran away. He fled to Zimbabwe to help out the government there. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, Zimbabwe. I believe I have a $100 trillion Zimbabwe note in my wallet. So it's going really well for him over there, too. But, I mean, did he, so when he fled to Zimbabwe, did he start becoming involved with the government there? Yep. He's an important advisor to the nation's rulers, according to this article. That's awesome. Yeah, isn't it? Ah, so one last piece here is, uh, once again, back to Russia, rubles and communists. In, on January 22nd, 1991, Mikhail Gorbachev, the president of the Soviet Union, decreed that all existing 50 and 100 ruble banknotes were no longer legal tender and that they could be exchanged for new, ni- new notes for three days only and only in small quantities. This had the effect of instantly deleting large portions of the savings and accumulated capital of private citizens. Well, this is massive deflation, and I guess really reducing the money supply, which maybe is a good thing. No? In, in Russia? In Soviet Russia? In Soviet Russia. In Soviet Russia, the government doesn't print money, it burns it. That's interesting. Yes. Well, he followed up this genius move on January 26th by ordering that the police had the authority to search any place of business and to demand the records of any business at any time. The Soviet Union's economic problems accelerated into a death spiral. Gorbachev resigned on December 25th, and the next day the Supreme Soviet dissolved itself and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Blows my mind. Yeah. The, the sheer repetitive continuous economic stupidity of governments. <sighs> On that note, we got a call. Let's go call line three. We'll go ahead, caller. Um, hello. Uh, this is my first time listening to this, this um, free talk live on Sorry. the station. Hello? Hey, we're here. Oh, um, I, you keep saying it's, just on the computer, but I heard it on the radio. Excellent. Excellent. Where are you located? I'm in Keene. Oh, oh okay. Right. Well, we do have a couple pirate radio stations going on, and Keene is one of them. Yep. Oh, you do? Oh, you do? Yeah. It's way down the end of the, way down the opposite end of, like, where, where public radio usually is. Huh. Like, way down the end. Like, 108 or something like that. So, have you heard Free Talk Live before, and this is just the first time you've heard yeah, this Yeah, I was listening to it just last night. I listened to Free Talk Live pretty often i go on the internet and hear it and it's on the radio on saturdays are you a keen local or did you move here well i moved here but i'm not like a free stater but it is interesting to me and i've I've been paying attention more and more um and i'm really uh not sure about it what it is is everybody does every like all the people that moved here like free staters and i don't know all the names but um, are they all under the same banner? I don't understand. I no, mean, no, certainly there? not. Not at all. No, the the Free State Project simply exists to encourage people who self-identify as liberty activists to uh, yeah. encourage them to move to one place. Once 
once you move to New Hampshire, you're you're technically no longer affiliated with the Free State Project anymore because its its sole goal is to get you to move. And once you you move, you're no longer concerned of theirs. So oh, oh, you get all these people that self-identify as active, um, you know, uh, active activists, people that would go out and start something on their own, wouldn't wait for instructions. So it's not uh, it's pretty ideal to just encourage them to come here and then leave them alone because then everyone just picks the sort of thing they want to do. And the market speaks when, you know, when it comes to uh, funding or, or helping out with some sort of activism, people, if they want to help out, they do. If they don't, they don't. So it works really well. No, uh, we all kind of self-identify as, as porcupines or free staters, um, even some of us who didn't even sign up. Um, but who there's no that? one that can tell us what to do. And in fact, one of the pastimes of porcupines is making fun of people who forget that you can't tell us what to do. And most times it's our own people who are like, oh, we got to rein in those such and such. They're giving us a bad name. And we're like, yeah, what do you propose to do? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. And it's always, uh, you know, like there's this big divide between, well, I don't want to say divide because I'm still friends. I wouldn't with say all the, big either. Yeah. I'm still friends with all the politicos as they like to call themselves or we call them. I don't know who made that up. But um, I, I think... When it comes down to it, I mean, we've all got the same base goal, and that's liberty and just different, you know, levels of liberty is what we're after. But they can't, you know, nobody bosses anybody else around, and there's no structure to it. There's no, you know, leader that tells people what to do. It's just you participate where you want to participate, and you create where you want to create. Exactly. Yeah, the Free State Project can best be thought of as a giant bus that moves people to New Hampshire. We're up against a break. If you'd like to stick around, we'd like to have you. Hold on just a sec. This is Free Talk Live, Talk Radio You Control. You can call in at 603-435-1105. We'll be right back with more Free Talk Live. You're back with Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. You can just give us a call at 603-435-1105 and talk about anything you want. You've got Curtis. And Meg. And Sean. And before we go back to our caller, got to take a break for one of our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the interwebs. Yes, this is so cool. Did you know there are smart folks all over the world who need to meet you? Why? Well, if you're from an English-speaking country, then check out english.freetalklive.com right this very second to find out. If you're listening to this podcast, then pause it right now and check out the site. Go to english.freetalklive.com and discover how to create your own online business. All you need to get started is the ebook, the internet, Skype, a webcam, and a microphone. What an inexpensive way to become your own boss that oversees a rewarding and challenging job that requires your unique creativity and passion. Pause the podcast and visit english.freetalklive.com right now. Let's go back. Local uh, Keniac are here. Uh, I don't. I don't, those, I don't suppose we could refer to you as a Keniac, though. Since... I think Keniac just means person in Keen. Really, it's not a That's Keen fine. liberty activist. Have, it sounds fun to me, <laughs> Keniac. But um, one thing I've noticed about about well, what I've noticed just looking online, I saw from Free Keen too. There's a website that I've looked at that has lots of information on it too. But um. I have noticed from the radio show that they um they're very much um seems like they're defending people against the overreaching of like 
um, police and police doing too much and extent and just like really abuses and overextensions of the law and stuff like that. Absolutely. So I guess I think of that when I think of um, the Freakiniacs. It Free. you know it doesn't matter what part of the 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 politico non politico divide you're on. I think we all agree that there's a place for peace officers in our our own ideal society or community, um, and and we kind of universally agree that the place for the peace officers to basically protect life and property and liberty and and uh, not waste a whole lot of time with these silly non crimes that have no victims or the victim is the state and whatnot. So uh, maybe we should all keep that in mind next time someone talks about this great rift between us. We can be like. Oh, there's way more similarity than you're thinking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's very little difference between any politico or politically oriented person and the more anarchist view activists. It's just that one little step that, you know, I'm at the point now where I just don't think the system has any purpose and can work towards any good because using it is just using a it's system inherent, that's It's corrupt. inherently immoral, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm ever using a system that I so wholeheartedly disagree with for my benefit. It just doesn't work that way. Well, the political, the, the politico types say the system is broken and the radicals say, no, it's working just like it's supposed to. <laughs> this is what the constitutionist has either given us or been powerless to prevent. So I'm yeah. one of those second I've, one. I've had, a, I've been unfortunate enough to have some involvement with it. And I just feel dirty when I'm done with <laughs> feel like you know you feel like you got dirty by dealing with them it just seems corrupt to me yeah and not everyone who works for the government is pro-government there's quite a few people who work for the government and that's what awakens them to the corruption in the government so uh and And there's a lot of that right here in new hampshire too (laughs) what's the people that realize what's going on oh yeah those are the people that are shoved out pretty quick or they can't sleep at night so they have to quit yeah yeah which makes the yeah. bad ones sort of stick around and rise to the top. And that's right. That's what you get. Yeah. Either that or they get kicked out by the corrupt ones for realizing that the corruption is going on. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about tonight? Oh, this is so. Isn't this a fun conversation? It really is. We don't get to talk to isn't it? <laughs> uh, but um, I was just wondering uh, just a quick question. I don't know what this is. Is, there a, is. is it a long way between the ideal that. Um, I'm not saying, I know everybody's different in the free state. Um, I don't even know the right word to say, but um, is it like anarchy or is there, a, is there a difference? Is there a long way between it? Or between like between what we call minarchism and anarchism? Is that your question? Between I don't know what, I don't know what the, <clears throat> what the um, ideal is that you're striving to achieve. Okay, well, there's some folks in the project who are what we call minarchists, which is a derogatory term anarchists uh, came up with for people who are uh, limited government uh, types. Um, People who want the government to do like cops, courts, and roads, or cops, courts, and a military. Defense, yeah, the the real limited, the folks that'll tell you they want to downsize government by 95%. Yeah, the people who... Get rid of everything but this. Yeah, they think that government uh, just exists for protection purposes of liberty, but a government, in my mind, can't protect liberty. It can only take it away. And they believe that if we could just rein in government and get it to this ideal size, that somehow people wouldn't become complacent once again and forget about it and become apathetic. And somehow, you know, um, or maybe maybe their answer is we got to have a violent revolution every 20 years. Um, but somehow they believe that we can get government to this ideal size and, and then we can keep it at that size and, and it won't be overreaching and whatnot. 
And then you've got uh, the folks like us who are uh, abolitionists, basically. The, the other folks are incrementalists, and we're abolitionists. We believe in the complete abolition of the immoral, violent state. Um, we believe in the creation of a voluntary society, a society based on voluntary uh, associations between consenting adults, um, basically people entering into mutually beneficial agreements, which is pretty much how everyone lives their lives 99% of the day. It's it's basically we want to get the violence out of our society because uh, basically now the, the society we have is predicated on the initiation of aggression in which it's okay to to grant a monopoly on legitimized violence and give it to this small, small, small subsection of our population and say, okay, you guys are granted with this authority to use violence in order to keep the rest of us in line. And that's just ridiculous. And a word that we use a lot is evolution, which it is an evolutionary step in human thinking because I don't, I can't personally think of anything in the past that hasn't had some sort of ruler or aggressor taking over a whole community or larger than a community. And so, you know, it is an evolutionary process and we as human beings can take that next step. We can choose to take it as opposed to just animals that, you know, grow a third eye or extra arm or thumbs or whatever. We can make that choice in our head and evolve into a higher being. Right. I see it in the same vein as what went on in, you know, the late 1700s where uh, this people decided to be free and they were going to try something new in order to maximize their own happiness and individual prosperity and liberty and whatnot. And it's this is something I, I try to get across. I used to be what we call a minarchist. I used to believe in limited government and I used to idolize the founding fathers and believe that the Constitution was this, you know, grand plan that we we can't stray from and whatnot. And so the way I, I come at it now is I try to explain to these people who thought like I did that voluntarism is just the next step in the progression that was the American uh, experiment. As we still have this, uh, for lack of a better term, American exceptionalism. I still believe that you know we as Americans are strong enough or you know, brave enough in order to try anything that we really set our minds to. And so I don't think we should shy away from this scary thought of creating a new society that's based on voluntarily – uh, voluntary uh, attraction or uh, associations as opposed to, you know, a gun to your head. And the thing about the uh, Constitution that's uh, been so- something that was recently really brought to my attention is uh, it only lasted maybe 50 or 60 years and then we proceeded to violate it across the board in the process of the Civil War and the government's just been growing nonstop since then. I don't think the whole experiment survived Washington's presidency. Yeah, I think it was probably violated day one after signature. It probably was. As soon as they tossed out the Articles of Confederation, it was... Well, tossing out the Articles of Confederation was a bloodless coup. Yeah. We let the central, uh, central planners back in and it didn't last very long, did it? It didn't work very well, no. So does that answer your question? Absolutely. I appreciate it, and I'm going to um, listen. But for the most part, we're all on the same more, team. Hopefully. Yeah. Huh? For, for the most part, we're all on the same team. We all uh, are against the uh, initiation of aggression. The thing is, is the, the, the limited government types, they don't realize um, or they haven't realized yet that that government is an initiation of aggression. And, you, and, you know, even though it's smaller, it's still immoral. Thanks for, for the me, call. It seems like, for me, it seems like uh, the police are, are, are really agents of rich people. That's what I've always thought of it as. Yeah, we're up against a break. Thanks for the call. This is Free Talk Live, the talk radio you control. 
you can give us a call, 603-435-1105, and talk about anything you like. We'll be right back. That's right. We're back. One more segment of Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. It's the talk radio you control. You can call in 603-435-1105. It's Curtis. And Meg. And Sean. And on line three, it's Taryn Lupo. What's going on, Taryn? Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to call in, but I'm going to make a commentary a little on on what you guys were just talking about with the last caller. I kind of also want to remind people that you kind of got to be nice to people in their liberty transition. Like when I see stuff on Facebook, a lot of times uh, people get way over-aggressive or mean about, you know, different political philosophies. And I think good manners are important. You you know, um, I just want to remind people to, to be nice to people along their path, you know. Think of where you were four or five years ago. That's right. Oh, yeah. And I, I even accept the fact that I'm nice to bureaucrats right to their face. You know, I always tell them I'm doing this because, you know, you're in danger if you keep going down the path that you're going. And, you know, I'm here it's to, for the bureaucrats. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to protect everybody, not just the people who believe in liberty, but those who especially follow the opposite path. I mean, they're going to get hurt in the end if they don't see what they're doing is, you know, violence towards people. Yeah, I've got to agree. I, I see these people that, you know, they'll, um, I've even had it on my uh, my own pages where, you know, we'll fight about something uh, on debating, and it just gets rude and nasty over political philosophies where I I seem to get a lot more progress being polite and nice, and, and uh, some people just love being right to be right, you know, or, and and I try to remind them, think about just how different your philosophy has gotten over the last two years, you know, uh, and... I just try to ask people to reflect on that. Thanks yeah. for pointing that Other, out, Turn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Last year I was a I was a statist in favor of uh, both of the wars, and now most really? definitely not. Wow. Wow, not look at you. You're wearing a giant cape. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes yeah, the cape. You guys got to tune into the, to the webcam. You can see it. Uh the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is I'm thinking about coming up for a free Keen Festival, but I don't really understand what it is. Is it going on the exact same time as the Pumpkin Festival? Like, give me an idea what goes on there. Uh, it's not the same time as the Pumpkin Fest. It's um, I think you dig it. It's uh, it's kind of like a Gore Alley. Um, yeah, right there at uh, Railroad Square in Keen. It's uh, it's a decent amount of space, and there's food, and there's games, and bands. And, and civil disobedience and alcohol and yeah, it's yeah, a nice little party, man. Anything. And the, the police have been. Con- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Does it run congruent with the like? Is it near the port? The uh, pumpkin festival. If I wanted to see the pumpkin festival, is the the freaking festival around the same time? I, I don't really understand it's, when it's it is. It's usually the day after. The pumpkin fest is the day after a freaking fest, or vice versa. The freaking fest is usually the Sunday after pumpkin fest, which is a Saturday, but. I don't think uh, Mike Barsky has announced anything yet this year. And isn't the weather kind of an issue then? I remember yeah, last, so it may last move fall, up. That's right. We were talking about moving it up to like Labor Day. Yeah, so when the weather's a little oh, nicer. Oh, okay. Well, keep, yeah, I didn't realize that. I'm trying to figure out, you know, I already missed 
being up there, and I'm trying to figure out how to get back up there for something good. Maybe you should I just move. The next thing coming up. <laughs> I know I want to. Yeah, move to, to move. I need a good chiropractor. Move. I'm, I'm aiming for spring. I'm aiming really? for spring. That's, oh. That's the game. What can I say to get you here faster? You're late. Um, well, Spring's past. I'm going to. <laughs> I want to try to come up uh, when I can. Every time you guys have a cool event, I'm trying to come up for it. We're having an event tomorrow. Me. Come. I don't know what it is. I'll make it up, but we'll have it. <laughs> it's a freak, freaking Monday. Heck yeah. Wait, Topless Tuesday. Come up for that. There you go. Is that still going on? We'll make it go on if you come up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell no, Meg, you can't speak no, for anyone else awesome. here. Okay, I'll make it go on if you come up here. There we go, Taryn. If you come up, Meg will take her shirt off. Wow. She didn't say right, that, me, but uh, I'm poking fun. Card. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, vent. I just feel like, uh, you know, you guys got to be nicer. Yeah, because I, you, you guys know what camp I'm in. I'm definitely a volunteerist, but I wasn't a couple of years ago. I didn't even know what it was. So be right. nice to those people as they make their transition and stuff. Same here. I didn't know what it was until I moved to New Hampshire. And yeah, I don't think anybody's going to follow your advice if you just call them stupid. So Yeah, I've really seen some nasty stuff lately. And it, just, it, yeah. it doesn't do anything. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Taryn. Thank you, Taryn. And it's Free Talk Live, Talk Radio, you control. we got uh, just a few minutes left. Give us a call, 603-435-1105. You can call and talk about anything you like in the time we've got left. In the meantime, did we finish that list? Uh, we did finish that list. All right. We got through a list. We Excellent. managed to collapse, collapse the Soviet Empire. Oh, that's right. Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Excellent. Anything yeah. you wanted to get across, Meg? Um, well, just with that, I was watching this really interesting video the other day that um, it was basically about how the economy works after a collapse. And it's opposite. You have to think in debts instead of in profits and how you can make like one person's debt transfer to another person to another person, to, you know, a debt to the government. Like, I don't know how to explain it properly. This guy was amazing at explaining it, but it was basically, uh, instead of working with a positive number, you're working with a negative number. And so you're just pushing that negative number along and getting a cut of when you, you know, pay off somebody's debt for them with whatever product or service, you get a cut of that. And it was a really interesting thing. And so I think that's something that people should look into. You know, what happened after the fall of, Soviet Union and how people still survived economically and you know you can get a lot of good ideas that way sounds like a video I'd like to see yeah I like looking at um, how Argentinians dealt with their collapse oh, yeah. so it wasn't a total collapse but it was definitely something that affected the rural areas and urban areas alike and just a few minutes left Sean you got anything you want to put in Ed um, not that I can think of unfortunately I I bought the one item I thought you would have something. <laughs> You're the one in the first chair. Come on, first chair. What it's, you got? It's Sunday. Curtis is in charge. <laughs> yeah, Pork Fest 2011. Here, <laughs> yeah, sitting here behind me. Pork Fest 2011. She's excited. We're all excited. Oh, yeah. I've already reserved my spot. I think they're already sold out on a lot of things. On like hotel rooms, I think they're pretty close to being sold out already. And Wow. Yeah. Yeah, my, well, my camping slot is reserved, paid for, done. Yeah, that's if you're, uh, another uh, open market for people. If they want to buy a giant plot of land out here, because I think Porkfest might need to expand at some point. It'll probably be a few years, because um, I think Rogers can hold about 2,000 people. Oh, yeah. So yeah. We'll we've, be a little we've, while. We've, but... got, we've got probably another good two years of Porkfest at Rogers, and then we might need to find something bigger. 
If you're interested in being a vendor at Porkfest 2011, we're going to be doing something new. We're not going to have a white market vending area anymore. Um, it's just not uh, cost effective, and it's just not been helping out the white market vendors. And Agora Alley was such a huge success, we're just going to expand the Agora Alley, which was two rows of RV sites in a, a very good retail position into six rows six rows so we're gonna have room for like 80 something vendors all in their individual spots um and lots of vendors will probably double up with other vendors so porkfest 2011 should be huge when it comes to agorism sounds good to me i will uh expand my plans accordingly just a few minutes left we got one last caller let's go ahead and take that call go ahead this is jason this is jason caller i know i'm violating the one call per uh show but since you guys were kind of stalling there argentina (laughs) Argentina, um, they confiscated. Uh, they are on the. They're about to confiscate people's 401ks, their version of 401k, and I think that's what we're going to get here in the United States. I think the government's going to grab everybody's 401ks and then give them a government promise uh, to pay some annuity, which of course they'll just print the money to pay it. So or give them nothing. Well, I'm glad I, I cashed how much mine 401ks out. Moved to yeah, I don't know how much 401ks are worth more are worth these days anyway. So. A well, government yeah, IOU is almost as good, I guess. Mm, that's what they're paying yeah. in California now. It's just pieces of paper that say IOU. Are they still doing that, or was that just? I thought that was just a temporary uh, thing until they got the From what I've heard, fix. there's smaller communities that are still doing that. Interesting. And from what I heard, yeah. they were then taxing people on the IOUs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, it, it, I think it's coming because uh, when the government gets desperate, they're going to either have to print that money or they could just do a swap and a promise. And there's no gold to steal anymore. So there's uh, several trillion dollars in 401ks and IRAs, and I think that's what they're going to do. It just blows my mind that there's this. It blows my mind there's this sort of um, kind of competition between the federal government and the Federal Reserve. I mean, you, you unless you understand, you just think that they're one and the same. And when the government gets in trouble, they can just turn to their buddies and they'll turn on the printing press or transfer some ones and zeros and whatnot. Well, so far they pretty much always have. Right, right. So. Experience dictates, but yeah, Curtis, I I tried to call my four hundred one k company and and take the penalty and take everything out, and they would not let me do it. So I either have to get fired or laid off to get that money. That's crazy. Well, it's been another internet only Sunday. I gotta stop saying that. We've got some pirate radio out there. So Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. We've enjoyed having you. Appreciate you letting us into your homes tonight. It's Curtis and Mike and Sean, and we'll see you again later.